you could have more fulfillment and ease in your professional and personal life and still be ambitious. Join me, Kathy Onetto, founder of Sustainable Ambition, for conversations with experts, authors, and friends on what it means to live with sustainable ambition. Learn concepts, tips, and tools to craft a fulfilling career on your terms while still being ambitious and avoiding burnout. For show notes from this episode, visit sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Now, let's learn more to help you craft your career to support your life from decade to decade. On to today's conversation. Welcome back, everyone. I am so excited to be here today with Katie Cicerini. Katie, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Of course, I'm so thrilled for this conversation. So let me first introduce you to Katie. Katie Cicerini is the founder of Endurance Management Coaching. She is an executive coach and trainer who works with leaders to empower their vision and unleash their strengths. Katie brings to this work two decades of experience developing managers and leaders, facilitating thousands of hours of training sessions and running her own high-performing teams. Katie's core principles as a people leader, care deeply, hold a high bar and focus on strengths. In addition to her professional accomplishments, Katie is also a mom and triathlete. And I think we'll probably talk about all of that span of yeah. who and, and who you are and all the experience you bring as part of this conversation, which I'm really excited about. So to start, Katie, I'd love to have you share an overview of your own journey that brought you to your current work. So what was your career path before this latest shift to moving into coaching? Yeah, yeah. Um, beautiful. Great question. Um, so if I go in, into a little mini mini story time, um, I studied marketing and history in, in college. And um, when I graduated, took a role with SCORE Educational Centers and um, was there for four years. And that was all of um, tutoring and running the business in the morning, basically engaging with families in the afternoon. And after four years, I was like, ah, I took a left turn for marketing. Let me... Let me get back there. Um, so I actually joined Yelp as uh, the first account manager that they hired in and uh, was really focused on advertising support for all of the business owners that were advertising on the website. And within a few months, um, got the request of, hey, turns out this, this account management thing works. Yay. Thanks for proving that. And you've got a background in education. Can you train all the people who are joining us? So that kicked off 10 years <laughs> at Yelp where um, I onboarded all of our new team members and customer success and then ultimately was leading that team and, and so on and so on. And I realized after 10 years that I really love building. So I uh, decided to move on after 10 years and I joined Opendoor as uh, head of learning and development. And my first charter there was really to focus on manager and leadership development. And I think within three weeks of being there, I was on an airplane heading to Atlanta to do a boot camp for all the managers. Um, but I realized as I then got deeper into my tenure there that the common thread of all everything I've done has been people development. And at my busiest moments and my most like, oh my gosh, my, my plate is overflowing. The thing you could never take off my plate was one-on-one -on -one development with people. And 
I have always prided myself on that, have been engaged and energized by it. So that was when I really started to pay attention of, I need to be focusing my energy on where I can be developing people the most. One of the things I love about hearing your story, and this has started to be a theme and an insight around sustainable ambition, is that it's not uncommon for people to start someplace because we all have to start someplace. You do. And that those who are successful and kind of navigating from thing to thing are paying attention to kind of what lights them up. And that's what I'm hearing you say, or where uh, they feel like they can have the most impact or the elements of their work that is giving them the most joy. And that's what I'm hearing you say a little bit in terms of your journey from each of those stages and steps that you took. Yeah, absolutely. And what really crystallized making the decision to then leave corporate work and start my own business was I was perpetually with my own people having these conversations around, you know, what's energizing about your work right now? What's draining you? And I was really deliberately with them finding ways to get incrementally more energizing work for each of them and reducing or eliminating the draining work. And what I started to really notice about myself was that uh, the work, there was a lot of work that I was doing that I, that most would say is, you know, is a strength, right? Of yes, I can manage change and yes, I can navigate organizations and yes, I can do all of these things and it's draining and I don't necessarily want to be doing it. But what I want to be doing more of is seeing aha moments and that, having leaders say to me, oh, I could say that. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, you can. And just how much more open and fulfilling it is to really amp up what energizes you and ultimately reduce or eliminate what's draining. I love the simplicity in that focus for people and really paying attention to what is energizing you versus what is draining you. Mm-hmm. And the other part of it, which I think I might come back to this um, in a little bit, Katie, this idea of like working with strengths versus not, right? And leaning yeah. into those strengths versus not. But before I go there, I wanted to just see. So you did, you stepped away from your corporate career. You then moved into this, starting your business, have, being an, uh, an entrepreneur. And were there other signals or things in your in the context of your life that also supported you at this stage, wanting to yeah. go ahead and take this step? So I'm hearing like the pull towards the type of work you wanted to do. Was there mm-hmm. anything else that, cause you could have yeah. potentially done that work someplace Lots else or within things. another, mm-hmm. yes. So what yeah. kind of pulled you to kind of, take this path as opposed to another one, perhaps? Yeah. Yep. Um, two things. One, becoming a mom. So uh, my son is now three. He just turned three two weeks ago. And um, I really started to have moments over the last couple of years, or let's call it, you know, the first year and a half of his life of, wow, I spend three hours of my day commuting and I spend one hour of my day with him that just didn't feel right for what I want in terms of how present I want to be the vision part of the vision I have for the way that I live my life. And what I've wanted is I want to be the mom that can pick up my kid from school. And, and this is a big and, and not come back home and feel like I have to sign back on for another couple of hours. So 
for me, that really started to become clear. And then I think for many of us of entering into the pandemic, I think it put a lot of things in perspective. It certainly put in perspective my three hours of commuting. <laughs> um, and it started to put, it put into perspective of what do we really need? Um, and when I looked at all of those things, like, well, maybe I don't really need to be working here <laughs> or working in corporate. <laughs> and you know, to take that step away from something that perhaps is, some might think is more safe, if you will, mm-hmm. And moving towards something where you're, you have that freedom and flexibility and you're more in control. And it sounds like you're creating your own business such that you can shape your life the way that you want and need to, uh, to meet your overarching goals. That's still courageous. And we've talked with others in the, in the podcast about this, that sometimes taking, going, stepping off the norm, it does take courage. And many of us struggle with taking that step. So for you, were there things that you did or was it a process to get comfortable with making this shift from, okay, I'm I'm working within this job, but I want to shape my life differently? Yeah. Two things um, really kind of crystallized for me with with this is um, one, when the the thoughts first started to um, come about, I, I remember distinctly coming home on a Sunday afternoon and looking at my husband and starting to kind of tell him what I was kind of thinking and feeling of what this business would be. And, and I looked at him and I said, why would I fail? I've never failed at anything I've wanted because my definition of failure is quitting. So it's going to be hard. I'm going to cry. Probably there are going to be hurdles and as long as I don't quit, it's not a failure. So I think that was, that was the first thing. The second thing was actually having a conversation and really just naming of, you know, at best, my first year, I'll make a quarter of what I'm making right now. What does that mean for our family? What do we need to do to, to plan for that? Um, so, you know, it was a very just candid conversation. And, you know, my husband was incredibly supportive and he said, well, maybe we just eat out less. Like, actually, that's probably the predominant place where we spend our money. So <laughs> that would help significantly. So, so I, I would say that it, it started with an internal recognition of, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I will fail because I be, I've never failed at something I've wanted so badly doesn't mean it won't be hard. And that's an important distinction. (laughs) Um, and, and you have to have honest conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I so appreciate both of those, both in terms of, I think you starting with the prior question too, in your response, in terms of you were paying attention, really acknowledging and noticing that this isn't working for me anymore. Mm -hmm. And then as you stepped into this to get comfortable really calling on yourself in terms of your own confidence and the level of commitment that you know, like I've always succeeded in the way that I define success. So what do I have to lose? Mm -hmm. And then I, I think it's so important to encourage people to have these honest conversations with their partners to really think about that planning. And I, I think that planning is, is so important. 
I think oftentimes we make choices in our lives around how we're living, how we're living them, that we don't recognize that we're making choices that perhaps are putting barriers around what we might do instead. So I appreciate you just calling forward. And that's another way of being courageous too, that you said part of what you talked about is also having these courageous conversations with one's partner to just get it out on the table, right? And start to work together to kind of shape the life that you you wanna be leading. Well, and one of the, I've had um, many clients actually uh, that they've said, you know, they've had this vision or thought of what else they wanna do. And they say something that I said to myself, which was, I couldn't possibly because I'm the breadwinner. And, but there's an assumption there that just because you currently are doesn't mean you need to continue to be. And that's where it might be an uncomfortable conversation to bring it up and it needs to get on the table. But I would also say that we made some life changes. If we moved out of California, you know, we, we moved to a place where I could have an at-home office. We moved to a place where I didn't have to make as much. So that also relieved a a good amount of pressure to be able to really focus on enjoying the business building process, love the impact that I'm having with some lower stress that, you know, we've got this, we've figured this out and at least we've got a plan. That's great. Yeah. And this importance of choice that you're bringing up. And then I also just want to call out because you're bringing up this idea of the breadwinner and also you're a a female breadwinner. I just want to, for folks that are listening, if you haven't listened to the podcast episode with Bethany Baines, episode number 30, who is really a champion of breadwinning women and this conversation around this. And she too, Katie, encourages having these, you know, having these conversations, you got to have them. So um, I just want to call that out for folks and kind of, you know, recognize that that's a theme that you're both bringing up. So I'm also then curious, Katie, now you're a bit on the other side of this. It's still, you're still kind of early in your journey, but what have you learned on the other side of this change? Perhaps like what surprised you most, or are there just (laughs) lessons that you Uh might have for others who might be standing at the precipice of thinking about shifting into something new? Yeah. Um, a number of things are coming to mind. Um, one kind of just like funny, silly things of, wow, sleep gets better. <laughs> um, that I, my stress is different. My stress is an energizing stress. It's a creative stress. It's um, if I'm feeling stressed, it's, I know it's me sorting through some challenge that is energizing me which to me feels very different than so-and-so in this org did this and now it's created this problem for me. And right. So it's different and I find myself sleeping better. So (laughs) that's one piece. Um, I think also there, uh, I think there can be a tendency to want to please everyone to, um, you know, and if we equate it to when you're, you start marketing yourself on, you know, whether LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook, whatever, and you start to connect to 
how many likes or engagements you got. And if there weren't a ton, you can have this, oh, I'm not good at content or whatever narrative starts to begin to, to create. And the thing is, is that you actually don't need everybody to resonate with your message. You don't need everybody to sign up for your coaching or your workshop or your seminar or whatever. You don't. You just need to connect with a subset of people. So I think when I let go of this, I've got to be everything for everyone. And I started out my practice being much more broad of, you know, job coaching and interview coaching and career coaching. And really I've narrowed it down of, no, it's actually largely leadership and executive coaching. And when career coaching comes about, it's, but it started from a place of, hey, let's unleash your leadership. So I think getting more comfortable with, I don't need to be everything for everybody. (laughs) Yeah, it's so important from a both, I think, business perspective, as well as just a life perspective, Mm -hmm. right? In the sense of, we really don't need to, for most of us, we're not going to find happiness in the number of followers that we have. And it's really about building that connection with those who matter for us. And so I think that's really important from both a business building as well as a a personal standpoint. And I so appreciate what you're bringing up around this. I didn't know where you were going to go when you said I sleep better. And that's, you know, I just kind of figured like, oh, you're able to get your eight hours in because you're not having to commute. But really what I love about what you're bringing up there is this idea that stress is different. And I don't Mm -hmm. think we all think about that at all. Frankly, it's a really kind of interesting insight that you're bringing up there that because oftentimes when people think about stepping outside of the norm of a of career paths, we often think that it's going to be more stressful on the other side. And I've talked with many people who say, I don't know why people think working at a corporate job is safer or more secure because you are not in control. They will make whatever decision they need to make in order to run the business. And that has to happen in business. So I don't, I don't completely blame companies. They need to be solvent and they, you know, but um, there is something to this mind shift between when you're working for oneself and, and feeling that that like that's more risky. And in some ways it is, but it's different. And I, I really appreciate what you're bringing up about that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's making me also think about, you know, burnout has been a hot topic the last, well, now let's just call it two years. <laughs> um, but burnout has been a hot topic. And so, you know, yes, a lot of it, you know, comes down to, you know, boundaries and, you know, yes, accessible you know, you know, work on our phones and everywhere, right? Yes, that's all true. Burnout also comes from doing a bunch of work and not seeing the outcome or not seeing or pivoting quickly, right? If that's really common in, in startups, right? Of, ah, oh, we're going to, you know, run after this sprint, 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 Ooh, wait, change of course. So that doesn't get completed. So all of a sudden, sprint, sprint, sprint. Ooh, okay, now sprint, sprint is here. Oop, change Right. And so instead of, you know, I, I don't have that feeling any longer. I instead have a, oh, yeah. I mean, actually, last night I was thinking a lot, but it was more of, ah, you know what? I'm really excited about this topic that I'm sending out in my newsletter. Mm, what if I played with this wording a little bit more? And it's just more energizing. Mm. It just yeah. feels different. 
Yeah. So I think, and I appreciate you bringing it up again, because I think that it's a place for people to look and where they might be able to reframe something or shift mm-hmm. something in terms of where they might be feeling stress. It might not even require that you're changing your job, but it's just a little bit of a mind shift in terms of how you might be able to be coming at problems you mm-hmm. might be facing and what you're yeah. experiencing right now. So, yeah, well, I wanted to come to your current work. So to talk a little bit uh-huh. more about coaching and talk about a little bit more about what you do love about working with leaders. You said this is what you were learning over time, that it's really about people management and coaching people and helping people really be their best selves. So what yeah. is it about working with leaders that you love so much? Yeah, um, I think it's first important to just highlight that I was a terrible manager when I was first promoted to a people manager role at 22. Like, what? <laughs> What made me qualified? I have no idea. Um, so I screwed up a lot, like a lot. And I had the benefit of uh, then coming under management of some really, really strong leaders then for the basically remainder of my or my career to this point. So um, what I love about working with leaders is that people managers tend to overcomplicate it. They just simply do. And the number of times either in a training, group training, or in a one-on-one coaching session, and we're talking about an employee challenge or something, and I'll say, well, what do you want to say? And they'll say it beautifully. I'll say, say that. Like, can I? Yes. So what I get, and then I will literally say, permission granted permission to be real, permission to have a candid conversation, permission to give a crap about your people. And when you care deeply about them, you can say anything because you're coming from a really good place. So I love that I get to play and I, I, I use the word unleash a lot. And what I'm really meaning by that is, hey, whatever permission you're needing to be yourself, whatever permission you're needing to lead authentically, to raise a question when something doesn't feel right, permission granted. And to be able to say that and be sometimes the first time, first person that someone has heard that, it changes how they interact. And then as I think of, wow, if this is, you know, a a director that has eight managers reporting into them and each of those managers has 10 people, I mean, that is exponential impact. And that excites me. Yeah, so I'm hearing you say the the power of unleashing or contributing to being able to unleash people and give them permission. Uh, and then the exponential impact of that yeah. is really like lights you up. Um, that's really, really cool. And it's so interesting. This theme of permission has been coming up in my life a lot <laughs> of late. Yeah. And so it's it does seem like, there's something that just holds us back. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, you said people also overcomplicate things. And I wanted to see, you gave the example of somebody look searching to, you know, figure out what to say and Mm -hmm. they say it beautifully. And so, and then you you kind of wonder, well, why do you feel like you can't just say that? So is the overcomplicating 
overthinking things or are there other mm-hmm. things that contribute to people overcomplicating yeah. what they're trying to do from a leadership or people management perspective? Yeah, I think it's just loaded with assumptions. If I give them this feedback, this person is going to be distracted the rest of the week and I need them to hit their deliverable. You're assuming that what you're going to say is so earth shattering that they can't compose themselves. And when I say it like that, and if I say that to a client, they'll laugh of like, oh my gosh, that's an absurd thought. But our inner critic creating these assumptions in our mind, that's what holds us back. And that's where we start to overcomplicate. That's when we negotiate with ourselves. Oh, well, maybe it wasn't that bad that someone responded this way. Like, no, it was. <laughs> why, are you, why are you lying to yourself or talk, telling yourself a different story? But when you examine it, there's an assumption being made about the other person's reaction. And the way that I, so for example, when I um, lead sessions on how to deliver effective feedback, I actually started out by putting people in pairs and saying, so imagine your partner just came back from lunch and they've got food in their teeth. Go, inform them. And then when they come back, okay, how was that? Well, you know, it wasn't that bad, blah, 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 blah. But really what we get down to is how many of you had a fear that you were going to embarrass them by mentioning it? And everybody raises their hand. And the thing, and then I'll ask the people who received that information, I'll say, were you embarrassed? Actually, I was really glad they told me. How long has it been there? Why has no one else told me? Like, bingo, our assumptions hold us back and cause us to overcomplicate the way that we're approaching what can be just normal human to human interactions. It's so interesting because what I also hear you saying in that, yes, there's all these barriers that we put up in our own heads. <laughs> it happens so, so often, there's right? There's a lot that <laughs> uh-huh. in so many level, areas of our lives, right? And yet we often hear too that people are longing for more feedback, that people see it as a gift, that even just we know as coaches, just acknowledging somebody for something, it, it knocks yeah. them off. They're, they're, they're so startled by being able <laughs> that somebody is seeing them or recognizing them in such a simple way and honoring yeah. who they are. And so there is something, I love this idea that you're bringing up, which is f- to seek simplicity almost and mm-hmm. or to trust one's instincts as well, as long as, and I think you said this, which is a pretty critical point, which is as long as you're coming from a space of deep caring. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, this, this hunger, right. Of what, what we experience within coaching is really this true feeling of being seen and heard. And there's so few places in our day to day that we have that experience of being seen and heard. So when I'm working with managers and, and, you know, unleashing them to help see and hear their people, well, also they get it in return too, because now they're seen as a more human leader. They're seen as a compassionate person that, yeah, they've got high standards and I believe in you. No, and, and when we think about high performers, I once had a manager ask me of, well, if I have someone who's 95% awesome, do I really need to give them feedback on the remaining 5%? Like hands down, yes, because guess what? That person wants to know about that 
right? And they're still stretching and looking Mm -hmm. to grow more. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked a lot about ways that leaders can, or things that are even getting in the way of leaders being able to perform at their best. What are other opportunities you see for leaders to improve their effectiveness? Um, I, a hot topic for me, (laughs) if I'm being honest, is, um, and we've all heard it, this fake it till you make it. And I think one of the biggest opportunities that most leaders have is that they have this sense that they need to fake it till they make it. And one byproduct, now the intent of that is good. The intent is, ah, you've got imposter syndrome popping up. Let's boost your confidence. You've got this, you know, pep talk, right? The intent is good. And it misses out on an opportunity for leaders to understand vulnerability because vulnerability is the foundation of building trust. So if you don't know, and you, you're sitting in the room as the most senior leader, don't try and pretend that you do. Instead say, hey, you know what? You all got me. I'm actually not totally certain on this. I'd love to hear from you. What a difference that makes. So if there were an area where leaders could really, I think, step up their effectiveness, letting go of this, let me, let me fake it to that till I make it. And instead embrace what you don't know and own up to it. Yeah, I think that's so powerful. And, you know, not to keep bringing other podcast guests into this, but I just had Casey Casey Carter (laughs) on who just wrote a book, um, Permission to Glow. And he was speaking to this as well. And he actually said when he works with high-level CEOs, he says the best ones actually say their most commonly used or best used phrase uh, is, I don't know, what do you think? Yes. And yet this is Mm -hmm. such a big thing for leaders, Katie. And I want to probe a little bit more on this because you've worked in startups and in fast growing Mm -hmm. companies. And what I often, I often hear this from people that are stepping into roles that put them on a growth curve Mm -hmm. or a new growth curve. Or I think where I wanted to go to with it, relating it back to startups is that our world is moving so fast. Even just take marketing, both you and I have worked in marketing. It's changing all the time. It is not the same Uh one year from now, it will be different. Uh And so to imagine or think that you could possibly know everything about the marketing sphere at this point, it's just really challenging. You cannot be an expert in SEO and in email marketing and in brand building. You Mm -hmm. really need to lean on other people and you need to, yes, as as you get more senior, you need to be able to have perspective around all of those and how those fit into a whole. But this fact that in today's world with it changing so much that you have to stand in in being a leader without no being an expert in everything. Yeah. I think can be really hard for many people and it throws them off their confidence. So what you're saying in terms of this vulnerability to be able to build trust, is there anything that you found helps helps people shift into that yeah. more or feel more comfortable with it? Yeah. I I really think about it from the the standpoint of shifting from telling to asking. And I'll ask my clients that may be struggling with this to um, notice the next meeting they go into where there's senior leadership present. And I'll ask them to notice 
how much those senior leaders are talking versus asking questions. Because the best executives will sit there and they're some of the last people to speak. They hear it all. And then they get genuinely curious. And I think that word genuinely is really important because certainly they're, um, we've all experienced leaders where we felt like that curiosity was trying to pin us somewhere, for example, but really this genuine curiosity of, ah, that's an interesting point. I hadn't think, you know, seen that angle before. What got you down that path? Or, okay, I'm hearing your perspective. What are the hurdles you're anticipating with this? So that as a leader, you get to let go of being the expert. You shouldn't be that close to the business because you need to be viewing more holistically up here. So uh, one exercise could be just to notice, you know, who who's doing the talking and the asking in the room. Yeah, and then if you're that leader yourself really walking out of that room and perhaps having a reminder to ask yourself, was I telling more than I was asking questions and do I need to pay attention to that as I move into my next conversation and next mm-hmm. uh, leading of, of next meeting where you're going to be really having a group of people together. Yeah. So I think that's a great place for people to look. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to come back to this whole area of strengths and come back to what you had mentioned oh, earlier, yeah. <laughs> even for yourself, because uh-huh. you and I both appreciate, and I think it's important to lean into strengths. And mm-hmm. so I'm wondering if you can both speak to when people, how do you get people to step into their strengths and really allow themselves to shine? And yet you even mentioned for yourself, strengths have a double-edged sword Mm -hmm. in the sense of you can be really good at things. Like I got A pluses in accounting. I would have been a very good accountant, I think, based (laughs) on how my brain works, but I don't think I would have liked it, which is why I did not go and pursue that path. Uh, So, you know, you can have strengths and and at times leaning into the strengths or doing certain things where you're going to be really good, they can fulfill you for a time, but then perhaps you don't want to continue doing them. So how do you play with strengths kind of both in this, on this edge of both leaning into them versus perhaps when you might need to move away from something. Yeah. And I think of strengths in, in two different ways. So one, there's, you know, like Clifton Strengths Finder, for example, you know, what you get there are really of your qualities, right? So for me, some of my top strengths are um, achievement and responsible, right? And those are ones that no matter what I'm doing, what the skill might be, and that's where I break it into two buckets, is there might be a skill of accounting, a skill of, you know, analyzing data, a skill of building Salesforce reports, for example. But it's actually looking at what is the underlying behavior that drives that. So, um, so when I look at skills as strengths, yeah, there or some of them may be tasks. You know, I remember being at Yelp and constantly being tapped to build sales for Salesforce reports. I was good at it, but I didn't like it. So, but that hit my need for being responsible and following through with people. So I did it, but the actual task was not something that I enjoyed. So I do think that it's important to break out that difference or, or another way might be to, to talk about in terms of values too. So if you value problem solving, you could probably be successful in any role 
in which whether it's solving problems about a toaster or solving problems about, you know, a new, you know, drug hitting the market to for diabetes, I don't know, right? If there's problem solving, you're probably going to be okay with it because that's the underlying value of yours and strength of yours. Um, so I think those are some of the things that I think about when thinking about where should your strengths be with the work that you're doing. Mm, yeah. It's important. It's really interesting nuance to really play with that. And uh, one of my colleagues who's a expert in strengths finders really has pointed out too, that oftentimes our strengths can become our weaknesses too, when we start to lean into them too much. So I too have a responsibility strength. Well, as somebody who's practicing sustainable ambition, that responsibility strength can really- Gotta reel it in. Yeah, I gotta reel it in, man. Like, (laughs) you know, like so- Achievement for sure, it falls in that bucket too. Exactly. Uh So, you know, people who are high performers, Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with it, but you also need to learn to dance with it. And I think for me, I know it's been an, an ongoing, practice in, and I'm still, I'm still playing with it. So mm-hmm. that's something to really think about. Yeah. Now the corollary to that is kind of, you, you, we've talked in the past about limiting beliefs and yeah. I mean, you've done Ironmans, I believe like full <laughs> Ironmans, right? Katie, like I've done halves, but I think you've done a full, correct? I've done, I do the, do the halves, but I've done a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I think, you know, something about pushing past barriers. So, <laughs> you know, so talk to me about like, what comes up when you're working with people around limiting beliefs or, you know, how that kind of impacts how they can really show up as a leader. Yeah. yeah. It all needs to come down to purpose of why are you doing this? Right. Of, you know, yeah, I, I kind of feel like if you're doing a race for, you know, and just did one in Boulder, you know, yeah, that was six hours of exercising. Like that was a lot. I didn't want to be doing that. I wanted to stop quite a number of times. So then that's not to mention the previous nine months of training of, yeah, there are loads of days I didn't want to do any of that, but what's the purpose in which I'm doing it? And my purpose is greater than the discomfort. So when you are looking at limiting beliefs of it's not just of, you know, what is the view at the top of the mountain? You have to enjoy the journey actually going up the, up the climb of what, what you learn about yourself, what's important to you, but it also, you start to get better and, and ideally start to really identify of when you're saying yes, you're also saying no and getting really clear and comfortable with, if I say yes to this, I'm, am I okay with saying no to this? Cool. Keep it moving. But starting with, why are you even bothering? If you want to leave your job, okay, beautiful. What's it going to mean to you? Make it matter. And when it matters, you make it happen. Mm, I love that. Make it matter. Um, really great phrase to to get people motivated and committed to to moving forward. Um, so before I get to our wrap up questions, cause the time's moving quickly, yeah, I, yeah. I did want to just ask you about managing all that you have in your life. Mm-hmm. And I know I've trained for triathlons, like I said, and, and marathons in the past, it mm-hmm. takes time. It takes commitment. It takes focus. You're also a mom and mm-hmm. you've said and shared that you've struggled in the past with finding space for all you're trying to do. Yeah. So do you have any lessons either from 
your training or just from doing what you're doing now and fitting all these different components within your life that what's worked for you or how are you kind of learning how to find some rhythms in your life that really that work and, and make your life function well? Yeah. First thing is I let go of trying to be awesome at everything all at the same time. I I just can't be, (laughs) I just can't be. So as soon as I let go of that, of, you know, I have to be an amazing mom, an amazing wife, amazing business owner, amazing coach, amazing athlete, amazing sister, it's exhausting. And I just can't. So I let go of that. And I've had a conscious effort around of whatever I'm doing right now, that's what I'm getting. That's what I'm really good at. So then it's a matter of where do I fit those things within the day and in the week? So the second thing is beyond mentality is actually just practical scheduling. So um, I book my time before any of my clients can book my time. So uh, I don't work on Fridays. I don't take any appointments on Fridays. So I have shifted my long triathlon training days uh, for those familiar of those, those long days. Most people do them on Saturdays because they work all week and they can't do a, a five-hour session during the week. So I've shifted those to be my Fridays. Um, I block my mornings now. Of I put in what my, my training routine is. Um, I have time blocked on my calendar of, Um, when I'm picking up or dropping off my son so that those stay sacred and then everything else gets filled in around it. But if I don't make a date with myself first, everyone else is going to take my time. And that that's not enabling me to put my oxygen mask on first to be my best for everybody else. Mm, I love that. I think that's so great. And I'm curious, Katie, when you think about managing your time or even the things that you're fitting in, do you have favorite ways or things that you do to sustain yourself over, you know, a day, week, month, year? Is the triathlon training, is that part of it? Or are there other things that you really look to, to help keep you sustained through all of that, through all Mm -hmm. that you're doing from being a mom, business owner, and doing the endurance training? Yeah. It's taking care of me first. And, you know, some, some people may be hearing that and say, oh, that's selfish. I actually believe it to be selfless of the world demands a lot of me, of family, friends, kid, husband, you name it, clients, that um, if I'm not level, if not, if I'm not feeling right about where I am in the day, the week, what's ahead, if I'm not feeling energized, if I'm too drained, how can I possibly be what they need me to be? So my way to sustain is to take care of me first. Mm. I think that's a great message to kind of wrap up the conversation. This has been so great, Katie. I am just going to ask you before we close up, just if you have a final piece of advice you'd love to leave our listeners with. Yeah. You know what? Life is short. Life is too short to not love the way that you're spending your days. So when you notice those days of you get to make that change and you get to be the the driver and uh, the faster you jump into the driver's seat, the more awesome the ride. Mm -hmm. 
Awesome. Wonderful. Well, Katie, thank you again for being on with me. Yeah, what can we you. do for what can we do for you and where can people find you? Yeah. Um, so my website is enduranceboss.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram as Endurance Boss and yeah, just love, love to connect with people. And if anything resonated with what we spoke about today, um, absolutely reach out. My email is katie at enduranceboss.com and I uh, would love to hear from you. Wonderful. And I will, of course, capture that in the show notes. Thank you again, Katie. Loved being in conversation with you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sustainable Ambition Podcast. I hope you take away at least one learning or inspiration from today's conversation. Find more inspiring interviews and get show notes for this episode at sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips, guides, and tools by signing up for Sustainable Ambition Forum, my twice monthly newsletter. Sign up at sustainableambition.com slash subscribe. And remember, it's not about finding work-life balance. It's about building work-life resilience. Thanks again for joining me. Speak with you next time.